Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am Natalie Miller-Snell and you are listening to Seize the Day. Now it's practically a year ago that I had the good fortune to catch up with the absolutely wonderful Nazreen Sheik. She has a truly compelling story and inspiring story and she shared it with me a year ago about how she escaped child slavery and forced marriage and now she enables and empowers women within her own community plus across the globe. She's a real women's advocate and children advocate. So I thought this show deserved a re-airing since it's been about a year and this is something that's very close to my heart. So what you can expect coming up in the next 40 or so minutes is... Complete male-dominated society. Women have absolutely no rights and um, every single girl are being forced into marriage. My sweatshop was operated for two years. After that, it shut down. I became a street kid. And now on to the full conversation. Hello, everyone. Now, joining me today is a truly remarkable and inspiring woman. She is an international speaker, a global advocate for women's empowerment, and a social entrepreneur. And I do not intend to steal any more of her thunder by introducing her in any way of her story because it is incredibly remarkable. So I'm just going to say, please put your hands together for the absolutely fabulous Nazarene Sheik. Round of applause, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> I love the energy that you have. And oh, bless you. <laughs> thank you so much for introducing me. Um, yeah, it's so excited to be in your show and connect with you and connect with your audience and get to ex- share what I experience in all these almost, I think I am 28, 29, 30. I really don't know my age. So I always have to guess. <laughs> yeah, well, on that, can you please share with, yeah, can you share with um, everybody who is listening, might not be familiar with your story, how is it that you don't know how old you are? What's the story behind that? Because, I mean, your story is really, really remarkable. So perhaps that's a good place to start, actually. Yeah, it, um, it would be. Um, so I come from very, very small roller village on the border of India and Nepal. Um, complete male-dominated society. Women have absolutely no rights. And um, every single girls are being forced into marriage. Um, it happened to my own 12-year-old sister. She was forced into marriage. I saw that how my mom, she works, you know, 12, 15 hours and her works never get recognized. Um, and, you know, just women have absolutely no rights. And uh, most of the people who born in that village, they don't have birth certificate or neither death certificates. So whoever born in this village, like we just don't record our births and deaths. So therefore, also when I born, um, I have no idea and my parents didn't keep the record or anything uh, because it just doesn't exist in our awareness. So I don't know how old I am. And the fact about, you know, keeping these um, people undocumented is literally we were being used into uh, and becoming a huge part of modern day slavery. So we are being sent to the big factories to make things. Uh, We are being a part of forced labor. We are literally, I I feel now that my villages were like kind of like human 
making machine. Like we had no recognition, we had no voice. I didn't even have my last name. I just had one name, Nasreen, that's it. And no birth, no birth certificate, nothing. So that's the reason that I don't know how old I am. It, I mean, that kind of blows my mind actually, and I'm, I'm sure it will for everybody listening. How did you, I mean, so you were quite young when you started to realize that things weren't, things in life shouldn't operate in this way. Um, you were in a sweatshop, you worked in a sweatshop, you're a street child in that sense. Can you talk everybody through what that was like and how you managed to get out of that situation? Because like you say, you're in your late 20s now, but you've achieved so much in such a young part of your life. How did you do all that and what happened for you? Yes, um, you know, many times I tell to people that it's not the age that makes you old, it's the experience that makes you old. Mm. So I feel like in a very, maybe my age seems young, but the practice of like in, in, in my villages where you know, you don't have parents and you don't have the healthy society to look after you. And, uh, you know, there is only two things, either you escape and you fight or you become a victim and you become the part of that society. So for me, it was like when I see that in my village, every single girl, like every single girl, so like when I say every single girl, everyone was being forced into marriage and at very early age. And it happened to my own older sister when she was 12, she was being forced into marriage. I see that women are being abused everywhere. There was a lot of atrocities that it was happening against children. And yet those things were so normal to me. It was just, you know, it is because I don't know any other better thing than that, you know? But somehow my feelings being in that condition just didn't felt right, you know? And that is something that I feel like we all have, the imagination, the curiosities, the feeling of like, this does not feel okay when when somebody cries and you see the tears and you when you see people suffering it just doesn't feel good so for me the best escape for not seeing those tears and stuff is was nature so in my village we had a lot of fields and people were growing food and forest so i used to just started to spend a lot of my time in in the forest and collecting firewood for my mother so she can cook food. We didn't have any cooking gas and stuff like that. So I would spend most of my time in the forest, collect firewood, and that's when I started to connect with the nature. I would see the sun and I would see the, you know, all these trees and suddenly I felt like I was part of them. It's like, you know, these all things were kind of like intuitively talking to me. And I felt more and more of myself in the nature. And I would just leave my, you know, my home and just be in the nature as much I could. And that's when slowly I started to get um, an idea to just either leave my village and with the help of my cousin who was living in the city, um, he was also working for the sweatshop. I was able to connect with him and I told him like, I wanna 
I want to leave that village and can I come to the city? And it's just a step, you know, you take one wow. step and then two steps and then three steps and fourth steps. You don't like every next step, you are completely unaware. You don't know what's going to look like, but that's where I feel like the change is to not able to see it, but trust it, you know, that there is a different experience than this. And many of us, like all of my village, were not wanting to take that step, you know? And for me, I did take that step. And when I did take the steps, for people like us is always something set up, like if we escape the village, most likely we will end up in somewhere into even human trafficking or sex trafficking or, you know, forced labor. And for me, it was in the sweatshop. Um, like I was trying to run from the forced marriage, but I was, you know, getting into a forced labor, like escaping one oppression to find just another freedom. Another. Yeah, just like never stops us. So we, I, I ended up in the in the sweatshop. I was around nine or ten years old. I'm working literally 12 to 15 hours a day in 10 by 10 room. We were six people. We are making thousands of clothes every single week. Um, you know, I'm waking up at like 4 a.m., working at 8, 9, 10, 11 p.m. And still the pile of clothes are not finished in the sweatshop. Like, you know, we didn't have any bed. So those whole clothes will turn into our bed. and. You know, if you will ever know how much chemical we put in our clothing, you will never wear them. Because I got to see that and feel that and experience that like pure chemicals are being put into those clothes over and over and all those dyes gets discarded through the water drain and then it ends up into the river. And so it's like, it's a vicious cycle of, of, of suffering, not only for the human that makes it, but for the nature. And yeah. what it brings maybe outside the world is a little joy of buying something new. So for me, I am in this condition, horrible, horrible, like really bad conditions. I'm having a really hard time even breathing it. Imagine, like imagine 10 by 10 room, six people eating, working, living, sleeping on the pile of clothes. And that's when I would really like feel, like feel so like trapped, but again, this is what I knew. Like this was just so yeah. way of life for me. And, and uh, like, I wasn't allowed to talk to, the, uh, talk to the person who was making things and we were not allowed to talk a lot in the sweatshop. So I started to talk to the shirt I was making. And I would say that I wonder who will wear these clothes, where it will end up and who will wear them. And I hope they can feel my bloods and my tears and I hope they could see me. Sometime I also wish, I wish I could be a cloth than human because clothes was moving from one place to another where I was just stuck in that sweatshop forever and every single day waking up and eating like rotten grapes and rice with insect and it was just like only I feel like 
sometimes it's really hard for me to like tell this experience because I don't know if people will really understand. And all of these workshops are so hidden. Like, you know, these huge brands, they go and they connect with bigger factories and the bigger factories have medium factories, medium factory have a small factories, small factory have like, yeah small sweatshop you know so it's like so disconnected it's so bottom down and in this sweatshop people like us who are undocumented gets to work in that condition because in case if i'm working and i lose my hand or even i die or anything happens to me there will be never ever be a police report because i'm so disempowered so all of my like you know villages people many of my uncles have you know got injured and few of them have died in these conditions and by the age of their 30s and in their late 20s and they never got justice so these millions of people right now over 40 million foot over 40 million people they're victim of the similar situation that i was able to escape and that's their life they 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 work and they die there in that condition so it's it's i i feel very fortunate to be able to come this far and tell this story but every time i tell this story i just like my heart just turns into pieces and i feel like how can not how can the world ignore this you know like how can we not like like when i see these all fast fashion companies making not million but billions of dollars yeah of, people like us and and you know and yeah. we just have to risk every single moment of our life to just survive so Natalie you mentioned that you wonder how if anyone can actually see or feel I, I can't imagine what it's like because I've never been in that situation it'd be interesting to understand from um, listeners and I'll, I'll invite everyone to you know comment and, and send us messages when when you hear this show but I felt it in my heart it was like a, a real pain when you were talking through that and I could see it in your face I felt it deeply and to touch on something else you mentioned earlier in terms of age I can see the maturity in you age really is irrelevant in this your life experiences far exceed anything that I have experienced and that's what makes you quite remarkable and quite unique and quite special in that sense a true visionary I mean some of the the quotes that I've written down um, I've either heard you um, speak because I, I had the privilege to listen to you back last year at um, the Aspire Invent conference and I was absolutely blown away which is why I wanted to to speak with you to share your story more and to talk more about this particularly where you're going at with this and we shall talk about it the consumerism the buy now get rid of buy again uh, and that journey that whole story from where it starts to the end and a beautiful quote that you you um, you said once we live in a globally connected world where every action affects others I think that's entirely beautiful and I, I would like for everyone to hear some other beautiful things you've said you help people in a healing way there's fire in your blood you identify with communities 
because of your life experiences, I would assume, but I don't wish to, I would like to ask you on those, on those points in a minute. It's possible to change. Good vibration being service to others. We are the universe, the light exists in us, always light in every darkness and the power of this moment. I mean, the, those, they're, they're all from you. This is all stuff that you've said. They're incredibly inspiring, Nazreen, and your story. So you've gone from this very humble, wonderful young person. You've moved out of that. You've seen all of this, these atrocities you've experienced at such a young age, which is incomprehensible for me. But you've gone on to empower and enable women. Can you talk folk a bit through that? And then let's come on to what you're doing now and, and how we really as a society need to consider consumerism with what it's actually impacting and who it's impacting. Thank you. My God, those were really beautiful words. Um, They're yours. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I, I just you know um so when I'm in the sweatshop things are normal for me and then most of the time like you know the fashion industry they their fashion um, season comes and it goes and like that my sweatshop was operated for two years after that gets shut down I became a street kid and that's when like I'm in the street and I'm like really seeing for the first time all those students going to the schools and colleges and like I'm looking back at my life and I'm like I'm in the street I have no mother and I have no father but I don't have anyone who could you know who could who could support me and so I started to just again like use my imagination which I feel like every single being on this planet have that nobody will ever take away from them that imagination that curiosities and the prayers and for me like I started to look at these students and I prayed to myself why I don't have the books why I don't have the suits why I don't have the uniform I wish I could do that while I was doing that every single day around like morning time I would wake up and be in that street that's when I feel one morning it was around 6 a.m a dog coming next to me and started to sniff on me and behind this dog is kind gentleman and I got so scared by that dog and he tells me come here don't be scared by him he's he's my you know like he's he's like my son come and fed him so when he told me come here and I felt the sense of connection and love I literally like immediately grabbed his wrist completely unknown person and I asked him uncle can you please teach me like I didn't ask him to give me money or get me a food or like you know something I asked him uncle please can you teach me and this really moved him and this amazing kind person his name was Leslie Zon became my teacher for almost 10 years and wow. he started to give me education that I supposed to know as a human being as my 
every human being should know about their human rights. And through that education, I was able to understand that whatever was happening to me was against human rights. Whatever was happening to my villagers was against human rights. Whatever happened to my aunt and my sister was against human rights. So I needed to do something. And in that time, I have nothing. Like I have no money, I don't know what to do. So with the help of education, I take a loan and I started a social business called Local Women's Handicrafts just in the hope of not wanting to see any more girls being forced into marriage, wanting to like not seeing any of the children being victim of the sweatshop. So like that, I started to work with one woman one woman turn into two women, two women turn into six women, six to 10, 10 to 20. And like this so far until 2020, we have helped thousands of women and hundreds of children. And just a step, you know, because once it, when I reflect back in my timeline, it feels very overwhelming to me you know, that how did I come this far? And it's not that I only came, there's a lot of beautiful people who joined me in this process, but I had to take a step. What was right for the experience that I felt is right. And when you do things from the heart and from that space of loving and kindness and to be in service to people, there are very powerful force of energy and people do connect with you and help you help you like help those people you know so um yeah that's that's the story of uh, my um local women's handicrafts and we create we built uh, our empowerment center in 2013 and since then we have I made, I, I did in the center everything opposite what I saw in the sweatshop. So in the sweatshop, I didn't even have the window. So in our center, we have the big windows. Oh. In, in the sweatshop, I had bad water. So in our center, we have safe cleaning water. In the center, um, I mean, in the sweatshop, I was eating a rice with insects and rotten grapefruit. So in the center, we created organic garden. So I just wanted to flip that experience into abundance and be the role model for other businesses that you can create and you can expand your awareness that there is more beauty beauty have the more power and service to others have more power than greed and control and negative energy you know so that's 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 what we are doing and creating like anybody can go to localwomenshandicrafts.com and they can read all of these women that you know their stories are there their products are there and what we have been doing and what do we represent it's all we have built an online and so for the first time for the first time almost in their history of for these women their faces is being out 
their stories is being out into the world so world can really see what are the experiences that we are going through in in very very poor countries you know yeah. nepal is one of the poorest country in the planet and almost 51% of children are suffering from acute malnutrition and you know women i was in the village uh this just this in 2020 for 8 months and i interviewed about 400 women and out of the 400 women almost 98% of the women did not even know how to sign their name mm. so if they and they used all thumbprint you know so if they don't know how to sign even their name how can they even ask for their basic human rights so it's it just it's just very very important for world to see that you know our millions and millions of people and especially women and children are very vulnerable and and covid and pandemic have definitely pushed us back in 30 years mm. but i hope that this will wake people up and when people go and buy fast fashion and if people go and just buy more and more i want them to buy less and i want them to think more about the people who makes them you know and i want them to use their money as an energy that has a effect because whatever you might be buying in the downtown of london has an effect in the small villages in the rural villages like mine or like i'm being forced into labor if if you how can you find a shirt in 10 dollar or 10 euros you know yeah. it's just impossible so it's people like us our bloods and tears are being sucked into and people can energetically feel the energy of world losing and everything feels so overwhelming but i feel like everything can be healed only if we can want, take one step at a time towards change you know and that will start from the phone that you use and the clothes that you wear and the coffee that you drink and the chocolate that you eat finding out where they come from who made it and what conditions so as soon people support small businesses and local businesses but also businesses like local women's handicrafts that can really tell the stories of these people and gives the transparency around supply chain would be the healing way of ending modern day slavery i was just reading that in even in uk there is 131000 i don't know exact number of people are victim of modern day slaves so like you know modern day slavery is all around us and it's coming more closer and closer to us and it's feeling very overwhelming so i feel like this is the time to really become aware of our action i mean i literally could listen to you all day long you're i mean you're so articulate i mentioned this before we came on the call it's beautiful how you convey your message not only is your message strong is it morally correct and ethically right you've experienced it firsthand so it has that much extra added weight 
And, you know, kind of surface touching on what you've said, it's about perspective, isn't it? Because when I listen to you, it puts my previous week into perspective. Now, that's not to diminish any kind of things that are going on with me. And it's not for anyone to feel guilty about their lives, but it is about perspective. And it is also about just identifying what changes we can make. And certainly within my household, and we've been thinking about this for years, but the pandemic has really brought it to the front of our minds. Where are we getting our products from to your point Nazreen who is manufacturing it it's easy to switch off isn't it I'm going to go and buy this but actually we should all be doing the the work to find out and in fact producers need to also be demanded by governments and whatnot to actually state very clearly how things are manufactured if something is cheap there's a reason it's cheap and we need to look at that to understand what the sustainability is of a product, you know, if it's affecting the environment, if it's affecting human life as well, and what, what goes into that. And that's kind of what you're touching on and what you're doing, if I'm right, in how you're empowering folk as well. Yeah, I absolutely right. Like, I feel like it's just, um, you know, there's many times people think that, oh, we are buying the fast fashion. So that's how the people in Bangladesh or people in Nepal or people in India can even sustain and live. But I just want to like, you know, give them an idea and understanding about my own perspective. I feel like, you know, there is a huge perpetuation of motion that went into a negative direction where like, you know, we used to have a big a village which was filled with tradition and culture and and festivals and you know so much good thing and then something happened that all these women are started to be like being forced into marriage and having like you know not only one two five children but almost 10 children and wow. they have you know like no um no educations and don't have any understanding about how to raise that children you know and then these children are being sent to these factories and it feels to me like human factory you know it doesn't feel like uh, people are aware of their power so I feel like um, that is connected to the big part of consumerism. If consumer becomes aware of what they consume, are they consuming someone's suffering or are they consuming and supporting a businesses that values moral and nature and humanity, you know? If we can figure that out, I feel like we will be able to solve a big problem. And uh, we will be not having these almost over 40 million people in the modern day slavery. And guess what? There's 71% of them are women and girls. So wow. like mostly, the end of the day, the women and, uh, and girls becomes the extreme victim of everything. And I feel like, you know, um, uh, I feel like in UK or in US, in all the Western countries, you know, um, there is a lot of uh, resources are available. And I want to tell people that if you have electricity and if you have uh, access to mobile phone and internet, please use these resources because millions of people don't have that, you know, and they are looking up to you, you know, if you have a safe home and safe electricity and internet and 
food to eat and survive, you are like one of the luckiest person in this planet that could be serving and being in service to the people who don't have a safe space, who don't have electricity, who don't even know how to sign their name. They are looking up to us, I feel. So how can, um, how can you know, we, we help them out, you know, and it will happen all through, like, you know, Natalie, um, raising awareness, you know, talking about it, talking until people don't get it, because <laughs> the more we do a blue in the face, come yeah. on, yeah, <laughs> definitely, it is, it's about bringing it to people's the forefront of someone's mind isn't it and it's talking about it bringing out in, in the open more and talking more realistically and I think I heard you say one time it might have been on the MTV um video actually yeah. you talked about folk can help folk can get involved and it's not about overwhelming ourselves in that sense it's about thinking about just one product that you're buying look at how sustainable that is and what that looks like and just try and invest in small business local business and helping you know, encouraged or um, businesses that are empowering folk who are otherwise, you know, treated in a particularly bad way. And, and that's a really great way to start. And um, for example, you've got an uh, initiative going on at the moment, haven't you? The the Million Masks, is that right? Yes, yes. Um, we started One Million Mask Initiative in early April and it is all, I was in this village, in a small undocumented village, and that's when I was interviewing all these 400 women and we distributed 410,000 meals and uh, to our nonprofit empowerment collective. And that's when, you know, we were thinking like, okay, pandemic will get over by May. <laughs> oh, <or crikey>. like, <laughs> oh my God, it was like continuing. And we were like, okay, like how can we feed hundreds and thousands of people for a year? Like it just felt very, very overwhelming for us, but also not sustainable. So we needed to find a sustainable model to, to make sure that we feed the hungry people. And at the same time, we are not so much dependent just on the donation. So um, our women collective from local women's handicrafts, they all came together and they started to give a training to the villagers how to make a reusable eco-friendly to apply mask. And, you know, we used all these local woven fabric, which is called Dhaka. It's like woven in a hundred year old loom, which does not need any electricity. So the fabric is very, very sustainable. Wow. And then these women, they came, they learned how to sew and cut, and we turned that into a mask because we were able to do two things with that mask feed the village and then at the same time stopping the covid pandemic that was happening all over the world and people are being shortage of the mask so uh when we calculated the idea of like if we sell one mask for ten dollar we can feed 10 meals for an entire day like for one people you know so wow. like one mask 10 meals and that was very very sustainable models and we are still continuing with this campaign one million mask initiative 
um, you know, Aspire conference was a really good one, brought a lot of um, uh, people together to help and support with this campaign. We have sold over 5,000 masks. And as I said, like we have served 410,000 meals. And, you know, anybody who is listening, you know, if you do need a mask and, you know, please don't wear the synthetic mask because it will end up in the ocean and landfill and um, it's, it's, uh, it's going to stay for 800 years. Whereas this eco-friendly mask, like you can rewash it and rewash it and wear of like, you know, two years, three years, it's really like the elastics are adjustable. It's really beautiful. Uh, anybody can visit empowermentcollective.org and look at all of, we made all these videos. You will see all these villages. Brilliant. Women. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like um, it, we worked so hard on this uh, campaign, like so, so hard. So absolutely fantastic. And you have got, I mean, no one will be seeing this, unfortunately, it's all audio, but you have got the most amazing smile when you are engaged and talking. It's really, honestly, just wonderful. The work you're doing is incredible and the message you're giving out and your story is absolutely remarkable. How can anybody, um, I mean, obviously they can get in contact with you via the website and I'll put all of these details in the show notes. How can anybody or corporations and organizations start considering helping or get involved and help you? What's the best way that they can help out? If they're truly inspired, which I suspect everybody will be listening, how can they help you? What's the best kind of next steps for them to do to get involved? Yeah, the best next step is um, really, I'm trying to bring all these good businesses, like good businesses, good governments, good um, employers and good stakeholders who believes in ending modern day slaveries, you know, please join us uh, through empowermentcollective.org, our nonprofit. And we are bringing all these businesses together to end modern day slavery. Um, so how can we help those 40 million people? So if your businesses are good and they have, uh, um, they care about humanity and they care about the environment, please join us and be a part of to end modern day slavery because I just feel like I want to do that and end that as soon as I can. Because like, you know, imagine like somebody like, I mean, like being nine, 10 year old and being put their life in the sweatshop. Like we don't want to see that. Like it needs to end very fast. And I feel like all these governments and all these officials and all these great businesses should come together to end this. And uh, for the first time after lots and lots of years, like in this last 27, 28 years that took me to come here, finally I can speak, you know. When I came to America for the first time, like I was so overwhelmed and, you know, I had lots of memory coming back when I walked to this major department store and I see the, you know, the background. I don't see the product. I see the suffering and stuff. So now finally I can articulate and I can tell that story. And my mission is to really end modern day slavery or eradicate modern day slaveries. So anybody please visit empowermentcollective.org you can contact us through that you can if you need to buy recycled products and natural products please go to local women's handicrafts 
and make a purchase there, but also please don't forget to read Women's Story if you have time. And then we are all over the social media, so you can follow us there. And I'm just getting ready to, you know, to go out there and engage all these powerful people to let, let's get rid of slavery from the root, you know. I'm right behind you. I'm there. I'm with you. I'm right. This is just, oh, let's do it. Let's send it. We can all do it. Power of collective thought, the power of collective motion, the power of collective action in a positive and sustainable way will make things change. We'll change the world for sure. Yeah. Yes, we, we are the one. Yeah. Look, thank you so much. What an utterly inspiring and beautiful conversation. And you are just truly, truly wonderful. And it's my absolute pleasure to have had you on. I'm so grateful that you came on. Oh, Natalie, I just... Like, I just feel like you, you are my soul family, you know, like the people who help me get this message out. I feel like we all need to just connect more and more yeah. to, to come together to solve this problem because I can't solve it alone, you know, and when we join together, even the hard things feels easy. So you just making my my experiences much more values. It's healing for me, you know, like the more I talk and the more I share and the more I help in the ground, that's the best way I can heal myself and my trauma because I, I still live with my life with trauma. And uh, the best way to heal is to do, and you are medicine for me. Wow, that makes me feel fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, Nazreen. You've you've made my day and in fact my week, like I say, it's it's really lifted me up. So it's great to speak with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. Have a good day. And thank you everybody for listening. Take care, look after yourself, keep well. You have been listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Millisnell. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to seizetheday.simplecast.com for all of my other shows. If you're interested to hear more about coaching, please visit nmscoaching.co.uk. If you'd like to chew the fat over some of the topics in these podcasts, please come and join me at my Facebook group, Dare to Be You. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening.